And that's Umbulaz, Bright Kumalo. And uh, Bright, good evening to you, my brother. Good What's up? I'm good, man. You dropped us last week, so I'm glad. I'm glad we could uh, we could get you this week, man. Well, you know, second time, you know, lucky, I guess. Right. Listen, man. I want us to start off here with Airbnb. Now, uh, numbers coming out today indicating that uh, Airbnb has generated nearly 10 billion rand in South Africa just for 2018 alone, and uh, I guess uh, this number will uh, certainly. Uh, you know, give credence to some of the uh, requests that some in the tourism industry have made uh, that uh, this uh, particular sector ought to be regulated just by the massive size of uh, some of the sales we've seen here. Yes, I mean, this is, it's, you know, to put it into perspective, this is pretty insane. It's 685 million US dollars, which came from South Africa. This is thanks to the about, you know, 65,000 listings in South Africa, which, you know, the company itself benefited from about 1.25 million um, you know, guest arrivals, you know, the travelers that come to see South Africa. And some of them use this Airbnb or sometimes it's us in our base. We actually use these Airbnbs in nice places like, you know, Naizna and the likes. Um, so this, this, you know, has been a very, you know, increasing trend, especially amongst millennials because you can, you know, sort of view the, the places that you go to mm. and you can check the proximity between the clubs that you want to go to, the events you want to do, um, the sightseeing, you know, all of that that stuff that you want to do uh, close to the Airbnb. And the host can actually recommend those things, most importantly because they're local there, whereas, you know, the contract between you and a hotel, it's in and out, you're safe, your stuff is safe when you're in here, outside, you know, maybe they'll give you a brochure if you're lucky. Mm. Uh, but sometimes your host, Airbnb can actually be your yeah. guide as well. So, 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 so Mbulaz, tell me, it has I mean, is all of this 10 billion, I guess, uh, within access to the tax man? Because I'm quite interested. I mean, when uh, we look at numbers like this, uh, and in particular, when we think about the on-demand economy, platform industries uh, like this, many people have made a similar call when it comes to Uber, saying um, there remain some issues around how much taxation they are paying here in South Africa, uh, despite making a significant amount of money. Is it the same in this case? Look, it's very hard here in South Africa to get away from the taxman. The taxman knows exactly what is happening with your account. Um, and as long as you have income, um, you have to declare it to SARS or they will eventually find you and fine you for the amount of years that you have actually haven't been paying your taxes and add interest on top of that. So um, I don't I don't want to be, you know, on the wrong side of uh, SARS. In the end, they win. Um, I think, you know, th- that's the first lesson I learned in my uh, first tax classes. You know, SARS is always right. You know, you can audit everybody else. Um, but, yeah, um, again, yes, there's a lot of, you know, uh, for, for the host, uh, there's a lot of income that has been, you know, generated by them. Yes. And obviously a lot of this, comes through them. So, for example, let's say um, Airbnb keeps 25%, right? The, the rest goes to um, back to the, the to the economy, to the South African host that eventually spend that money somewhere here sure, in South Africa. Sure, sure. And that is a, you know, a direct injection into the South African economy. Okay. I mean, so what's, what's um, you know, the, the multiple of so that's 25 times 3, 10, it's about 30 billion rands, which is taxable. Um, in this case of Airbnb, which is quite interesting, um, it's it's not much, but it's it will do in our three. Look, and it will certainly plug one, the, one trillion economy. Yeah, <laughs> it will certainly uh, make a difference, and uh, we're certainly trying to collect everything we can collect at this point. But uh, Bright, let's let's shift away from the tourism sector and uh, take a look at mining here. 
Uh, Anglo uh, saying that, uh, you know, they, they're not going to be investing extensively or even uh, putting up any new projects in the world of thermal coal. And this, of course, uh, on the back of uh, pressure from institutional investors across the world who are looking for, for a bit more, I guess, um, uh, uh, you know, ESG here, when it, especially when it comes to environmental energy, issues. Yeah, yeah, cleaner energy, correct. cleaner investments. Uh, on the back of a lot of pressure from civil society organizations here in South Africa and abroad. Uh, but also, I guess, Anglo flagging the uh, mining charter and uh, some of the issues around empowerment there. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've got a lot of issues. You've mentioned basically all of them. Uh, the big one also I find is that if you want to start a new coal project, it's going to be very hard because we know that Standard Bank has come out and said um, they're not going to be funding any further, um, you know, ethically compromised projects such as coal projects um, and, and similar projects. Um, and obviously, if you if you work in that space and you can't work with banks to get the proper working capital for your business, it's easier to exit, right, sell and cash in your chips right now while things are still high, rather than wait for the uncertainty sometime in the future mm. where you'd have to uh, face the music then and you don't know what the future entails. Yeah. If there's buyers currently at the current market, you know, cash in your chips and go. And that's exactly what Anglo at this point is, um, you know, saying they're going to do. But again, the contract is true. Yes, the use of coal might go down, but the current players who already have the capital and already invested uh, in such, you know, thermal coal projects, uh, they're going to control majority of the market because the market naturally is going to shrink. And when markets shrink, the small men, so the small players are going to basically get cut off because they won't have access to the same capital that Standard Bank, APSA, NetBank said they're not going to give because they believe it's it's bad and shareholders want greener investments, right? Um, so the guy that eventually is the sole um, producer of the semicolon becomes, you know, the fat margin guy mm. who, enjoy, who enjoys better business, maybe even better volume, even yeah. though the whole but market Bright, is coming down. I mean, I guess the, the other scenario here, and we've certainly seen this in the past when it comes to Anglo, uh, they they always are quite quick to offload their assets and uh, do so through empowerment vehicles. And I, I use that in inverted commas because we've seen a long history here of sort of offloading of some of the assets that they, they don't see as core, that they don't see in line uh, with your commodity or strategy. Yeah. Or underperforming, or even, I, I guess, in a tight squeeze, as you've uh, uh, already said. Uh, do, do we see prospects of that happening in this case, where we're still going to see ESCOM requiring some coal uh, from uh, thermal coal producers, uh, I guess, uh, like uh, Anglo here, or whoever they sell to? Uh, do we see any prospects here for some empowerment players to come in? Yeah, I'm sure there's, there's quite uh, some players there who are actually seeing opportunities. Uh, you know, the one that comes to mind, um, you know, my name, his name slips, but the guys that basically run Seriti um, Mike Tech, yeah. Mining. Yes, Mike Tech, mm. yes. So those guys, you know, they know the, 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 the mining business. Uh, they've got the staying power, they've got the capital, and they know, you know, um, the suppliers, sorry, they're the suppliers, they know the, the where the demand is, and they've built those relationships. So there's definitely some, you know, um, good assets here in inverted commas to be, you know, acquired at good prices. Because if someone has announced already in the market saying that they're leaving at whatever cost, so I can, I can, you know, bid them down. Eventually, I'll get the price that I want. Mm, mm. Yeah, now, and eventually, you know, at the right price, there will be a good investment for that person who eventually gets those assets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess the, the other issue here, Bright, before I 
we continue on this uh, vein with uh, Anglo here, relates to the mining charter and this whole notion, I guess, of uh, new order mining rights having to comply with uh, uh, that uh, 30% requirement of black ownership, uh, which, um, you know, was a shift from the earlier requirement of around 26%. And I guess in this case, Anglo's, uh, some of their sort of uh, uh, rights here have a, a life cycle anything between the next 10 to say 15 years or so uh, so probably not as bothered with that uh, particular uh, requirement to uh, renew some of these rights but uh, more concerned about the shelf life of their mining assets and whether or not uh, they're going to keep those alive beyond that yeah that's a you know the estimated useful life argument um that accountants always talk about it's very hard to forecast you know um what's down there in those mining pits mm. uh and to, 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 for us to be, you know, re, you know, fighting and wrestling against this empowerment of 30%, you know, up from 26% or whatever, and especially when we've seen that some of these big players um, have actually found that it's easier to just pay the penalty exactly. than actually to empower people and the communities there. So it's, it's still a long shot, you know, but it's, it's a movement in the right direction. And hopefully um, these mining companies at some point, you know, sell and they sell to the right hand mm. or distribute the spoils with the right shareholders. Yeah. Especially looking inwards first, you know. I always say employees are the most important uh, part of, you know, any business. Mm. Talking about distributing yeah. the spoils and uh, all manner of shareholders, there's a guy here I want us to talk about, Bright. Anil Agawal. <laughs> yeah, man. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Before we start this conversation about Anil, <laughs> uh, and you're going to tell us all about who this guy is. Um, and of course, uh, what happened here at Anglo, uh, at some point, you know, until a few days ago, he was uh, one of the largest, if not the largest, single shareholder uh, through his uh, family uh, unit there, Vulcan Investments. And this is what he had to say about, of course, what uh, he continues to see in the South African mining sector. This is the same guy uh, who uh, clearly seeing Anglo being cash flush, decided, hey, let me take some of this money, pay off some of the debt I used to buy the shares and uh, potentially leave with some money in the kitty. Bulas, hey, hey, who's hey. this guy, bro? Huh? Who's this guy? <laughs> so, Anil Agarwal, you know, he's the founder and chairman of, you know, a company called Vedanta Resources. Mm. Um, he controls, you know, Vedanta through his um, family holdings company called Vulcan or Vulcan Investments. Mm. Uh, yeah, where he, that's where he does all of these um, one-man deals. He's got a very colorful uh, upbringing, you know, from his father who's, uh, you know, as an aluminum conductor, uh, miner, and you know, this guy started from trading scrap metals. He worked in a couple of you know cable companies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So he actually kind of understands a commodity with great, great depth. Mm. Um, and obviously, he's a trader, you know, at heart, and he likes uh, doing deals. And he feels yeah. like every time he does a deal, he needs to create value for himself, his family, and his people, and his shareholders, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. And in in this deal that we are about to speak about specifically, which is the Anglo deal, um, which, by the way, he's been looking at for a very long time, and eventually bit the bullet not so long ago, about two years ago, uh, 2017, um, he bought a big stake of uh, around 3.5 billion pounds uh, into Anglo-American, and he held that, um, and he's been trying very hard, basically, as an activist, quote-unquote, uh, investor into the, you know, into the business to make sure that he gets a board seat, but I actually never got a board seat at Anglo for some reason. Yeah, um, but, but you remember he pushed for South Africans to uh, get, I guess, uh, you know, uh, their pound of flesh on that board as well. 
Exactly. No, so here, but this is, you know, what all activist investors do. They always um, look for companies where they have skills and, you know, where they can, they feel that they can see where the low-hanging fruits are and they could affect, you know, meaningful change into that business and fight for both seats, right? And if they can't get it through that, they do, they do it through a proxy vote fight, right? Mm. So the second part, he was doing the South African version of a proxy fight, which he wasn't successful at as well, but... This is because of, you know, Anglos and too many webs there and too yeah. many people with vested interest. And the fact that most of our big investors here in South Africa are not activists. For example, the PIC, mm. they, they, they like, you know, the hands-off approach. Ish, ish. And, and the other thing for me that's quite interesting here, Mbulazi, when it comes to, to this particular character is he, he mentions in that clip we played, you know, the uh, Anglo-Zinc a transaction and uh, he bought uh, Anglo Zinc assets here in South Africa and Namibia and I think a few other places um, uh, in around 2010, 2011 or so. Uh, yes, which effectively, if you look at zinc prices from then, since, since yeah. then to now, it's it, done an exceptional Yeah, plan. yeah. And, and, and I mean, this is clearly somebody who back then, uh, when he thinks and, and he charts his relationship with uh, the Anglo stable, has uh, potentially, I guess, uh, made. Uh, made some good returns here, despite what many people are suggesting that he made only only a paltry 6% return. But if you compare that to some of the investments Vedanta has made in old Anglo assets and, and alongside this sort of uh, stake that he took here, which he took with debt, and he's now paid off that debt and he still sort of leaves with some money after paying some fees. Yes, I mean, some of, some of those um, assets, like, like you say, have been home runs. I mean, if you remember carefully, in the in the mining sector around 2016, it was basically the darkest of days. Anglo was talking about offloading basically all their assets, mm. um, and you know they couldn't see, you know, beyond three months, you know, at best six months. Um, and these guys are the guys that come in 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 this type of situation, and they find opportunities sure, because they sure. you know they're capital allocators and they've got the money, and they always have the money that banks mm. get them in case where they need, you know, some leverage to do their deal. Um, and in that zinc, um, those zinc assets that you were talking about, he actually poached one of Anglo's um, old-timers to come work for him. Mm. And that person was more than happy to do it because he saw that this guy, you know, is capable, he's skilled, and he runs, you know, a solid job, I mean, a, a solid um, ship, mm. uh, which, of which, you know, those businesses, like you're saying, um, um, they're doing exceptionally well, um, uh, you know, Except for this little bit here, which also this is hard to believe. Yeah. You know, you, 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 if they say that he only made six percent when the underlying has gone up fifty percent, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't make any sense because if you leave by yourself, usually leave by yourself, the bank is happy to borrow you up to you know one point yes one point four percent. So one point four times. Look at the, our local property stocks; they geared to one point five. Some of them. So. Um, banks are happy to gear you much. So in my calculation, if you gear, let's say 1.2, is more than double his money. But exactly. anyways, yeah. um, at a 50% return. But they said you made 6% here. This is according to an, a source that Reuters has spoken to. Um, they said he only made 6%. No, I don't know. Quite a, quite a bit of conjecture for me. Quite a bit of conjecture. We know, we know efficient tax planning. Bulaz, the last exactly. one here. I can't let you go without, uh, I guess, getting some of your perspectives on this one. Uh, Chabu Mabuza, uh, of course, uh, I guess, taking on that uh, hot seat, the poison chalice, as many call it. Uh, acting CEO and acting GCEO alongside uh, being uh, interim chairman. 
Yeah, so Jaum Mabuza is Lwazi Mabuza's father. Lwazi Mabuza is a friend of mine. I, I tend not to try my oh. comment. Why is Ulbiza Lonki Kamala Kulwazi? No, no, no. So here's the thing here, right? Um, he's been on the board for a while, uh, since the new board has been um, uh, elected, right? And they seem to be doing things and going into in the right direction. But the question is, it still remains, the biggest question is, um, can they separate those three businesses into individual operating entities? And most importantly, the elephant in the room here is, is very simple. Are they going to fire some of those 40,000 people with kids in school, with debt, mm. with banks, etc., etc.? Because this thing has been too big to fail. And if they fire these people, it has, you know, um, sort of collateral damage at going into other spaces of the economy. Ah, but we've heard, right? We've heard, right? They're not going to allow this thing to collapse. They're just going to take from the teachers, the nurses, and the cops. Basically, that's the sad part. And you know what they say about turnaround stories, um, uh, Ayabonga? Only the companies keep their reputations, not the individuals involved. Mm. Let's leave it there. Mbulaz, 